Like, will you put that thing down? Talking about my iPad and the pencil. And I just turned my head and I said, you know, this thing is going to take us out of here. And lo and behold, like less than 12 months, like we're at a new address in a whole new state with totally new experiences. Um, and I didn't know the power of the words then, but I knew the commitment to me doing something different mm. and what and what and how that might impact my life and in the broader orbit impact the lives of my kids and the family and everything else. Many of us dream of creating a new path, a new career, or just some new life options. But more often than not, they stay just that, dreams. David John Walker is a graphic designer of color, educator, and community advocate from Tennessee that is just now beginning a new chapter, all thanks to chasing his dreams. Through his lettering and design works, he strives to express perspective and question messages that are culturally popular with added context to appeal to a wider range of audiences. As a design educator at Austin P. State University, he shares the importance of design, social, and civic involvement to his students through projects and partnerships. Get ready to hear David's story on this episode of Design Of, where we talk about the extraordinary things that happen around us every day and the people behind them. I'm your host, Justin Ahrens. Enjoy the show. All right, so I'm David John Walker. I'm a graphic designer, I'm a professor, and now student. Um, I've been teaching for the past four years at Austin P. State University, um, which is northwest of Nashville, 40 miles northwest northwest of Nashville. Um, I think it's five miles from Fort Campbell, which is I want to say is the second or third largest uh, army base in the country. Um, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, went to undergraduate um, studio art program at Tennessee State University, which is at HBCU. Went to the University of Memphis for my first MFA in web design. And I met Justin through AIGA. AIGA is the design profession's oldest and largest professional membership organization, with more than 70 chapters and more than 15,000 members. AIGA advances design as a professional craft, strategic advantage, and vital cultural force. It also happened to be an organization that greatly impacted my career, primarily with introducing me to many of my design friends who are dear friends today, including David. Yeah, so this past year, um, COVID changed everybody's lives, um, including mine. And I had time to reflect on a lot of life and where I was professionally and personally. and decided to make some big, uh, humongous changes. So I'm currently talking to you from um, my new home garage in New Haven, Connecticut, where I have relocated and become a student again. And I will be attending Yale. Um, I guess class starts on Wednesday of next week. That is so exciting. So what will you be studying at Yale? So I will be studying uh, graphic design as a, a master's in fine art um, graphic design, but specifically uh, letter form and typography, letter forms and typography. Awesome. Well, we're going to get back to that. And we're going to talk about your Instagram and, and kind of the transformation um, yeah. from the year. And uh, you, you forgot something that, that we share. Uh, we're both dads. Tell me about, tell me oh, about man. your kids. Oh, man. So, yeah, I left out 
almost all of the personal life, um, <laughs> which is terrible, but which I can't overlook. So I've got a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a two-year-old. And so it's kind of funny thinking about, thinking back on life just in general. And I had my son um, at 24. I just graduated undergraduate um, school. And he started this graphic design journey with me, right? Like becoming a, de- becoming a designer, becoming an entrepreneur, and then furthering my career uh, by going to graduate school and becoming an educator. And so now I'm kind of replicating that again with my third kid <laughs> and taking this big transitional leap and not now just with one, it's actually three. Um, and everybody is now in this new space and being acclimated. Um, you know, everybody's on this adventure. Yeah. How are they doing? Doing great. Um, we got them in schools. Um, we are, we moved to a great neighborhood. So the former mayor of New Haven lives across the street. We've got a uh, current board member that lives across the street as well as a former alderman. Wow, so, awesome. yeah, I mean, we moved in, met the neighbors, um, did a couple backyard cookout situations and they invited people over so we could further meet more people in the community. My son um, started running with the track team you know, so he's like plugged in. He he had a summer job, which was cool. And yeah, everybody is settling. That's so good. Um, so just out of curiosity, it's, I'm kind of living vicariously through you in the sense that I feel, you know, uh, so many people made changes, right? Uh, during this last year. So uh, when you decided to make this change, you know, you presented to the, to the kids, like, were they like, yeah, dad, let's do this. Or, you know, how did that, how did that manifest? Um, absolutely not. I mean, they, they <laughs> were not on the train of let's do this. They were like, like on the train of, are you sure? Like you sure you're want us to go to Connecticut? Are you sure you're going to make us leave our friends? that we haven't seen in a year and they're about to open school back up. So we'll actually get to reconnect with them. Um, yeah. So that was a, a, a big question mark, right? How will they transition? Will they support it? Will they be happy <laughs> with it? Um, what I do know is that children are resilient. What I do know is if you expose kids to awesome things, if there are changes and challenges that they do know how to adapt and make the best out of those situations and scenarios. Like we almost got stuck in London last year uh, prior to the shutdown. And if I had not traveled, if I had not traveled the the kids uh, quite a bit, then I don't think the move up here would have been exciting at all. Like. To say adventure would be scary to them. That wouldn't be an, a word of optimism. It would be one of pessimism. Like you're you're kidnapping us from our friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I was following your store on Instagram. I was texting you. You remember that? Yeah. I was like, dude, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Man, it it was what, like March 13th or March 12th? And yep. it's like, hey, like we're shutting the country down on March 16th. Uh, the borders closed on uh, 11.59 on March 15th. And our flight 
was scheduled to come in on March 15th at 8.30. And so fortunately, fingers crossed, it was not delayed. Um, we were like teeth chatteringly nervous and anxious in the airport to make sure that it was actually gonna make. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a direct flight from Heathrow to Nashville. And it did. Um, and so thinking about moving them from Nashville to Connecticut and kind of reliving that again, like, hey, like we were almost stuck abroad. What would that life have had been like? So while it's not being stuck abroad, we're making a conscious choice to move northeast. Yeah, it is going to be that type of adventure. We're not going to know people. We're not going to have our family you know, less than five miles, you know, from the house. Um, but it's been good. FaceTime and, and Zoom, Zoom etiquette definitely prepared them, um, you know, for this transition. I yeah. mean, they FaceTime their, their um, nieces, you know, well, my niece and nephew and and their grandmothers hmm. and aunts. So there's a little, there's a little silver lining of this um actually there's a lot of silver lining in this in this whole um adventure we've all been on around the world yeah but, <clears throat> hey let's dig into a couple of things if you're open to it all right so you grew up in the south did and you are in a um challenge me on this but i believe this to be true you are in a profession that is profoundly um white yes and was that how did that was that uh, obvious to you you know when you were kind of pursuing it um was it something you know that intimidated you or or just what what was that you know how did you get from you know uh uh deciding to be a designer so when i came out of um, high school and went to college um i was i started out in the sciences so my original major was biology pre-med and two years into that i was just thinking this feels a lot like high school my high school was a health sciences and engineering um, focused program and so it just felt like more of the same and i decided then uh, after my second year that i wanted to switch my major so i'm looking at the catalog to figure out all right which credits will transfer over and I not lose time? Well, it was between psychology and art. And so I switched my major to psychology thinking, mm, that's kind of close to medicine. Um, it's but si then it's science-y, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's science-y, um, you know, more on the philosophical and conceptual side. But I, I then thought about that and like, I don't think I want to, necessarily talk to people for the rest of my <laughs> life on their issues right right now what's funny though the career that we're in is kind of that right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it just has a i don't know a practical sales component to it <laughs> like we've got to push products we've got to put push messages messages and campaigns that help further whatever it is the I don't know the the company or the the um, candidate or whoever wants to put out there, right? So the art program looked um, 
quite satisfying. And then once I got over there, I'm like, okay, I don't want to necessarily want to be a painter. I don't want to be a printmaker. Graphic design made sense um, practically to me. And so my mom, you know, when I first told her this, she's like, oh my God, like you're going to be an artist. Sure, you <laughs> you want to be a you want to be an artist? And I'm like. Well, no, like I'm going to be an artist that makes money. I'm going to be a graphic designer. Like they make posters and logos and websites at the time were like very new. Um, like Flash, websites were being made in Flash and animation was like very big then. Um, and so when I came and told her that, she's like, well, I don't know much about it, but there's a guy at church that, that does the programs and bulletins and this runs the screens and all this stuff for the church. I'm going to introduce you to him. So she introduced me um, to a guy by the name of John Gurton and he ran Gurton and associates and the church was a client. Like he wasn't an employee. <laughs> so the church happened to just be one of his clients and I made the connection and built a relationship. And once I graduated, um, I did like a small internship with him. And that was my foray into design. Now, did I know that it was super segregated and I would be in the extreme minority? Absolutely not. I went to HBCU where it's all, all the students are black. I was overwhelmingly underprepared uh, to go into the design field. According to a 2016 AIJ survey, the design agency or creative field is 73% white with a male majority of 55%, and that female designers earn an average of 6% less across the disciplines. So in short, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Just because the professors there weren't in design, they were in all of the other, all of the other arts, printmaking, photography. Um, so they weren't painting. necessarily practicing in the, in the field to prepare you no. for what no. sadly, what sadly was the reality. Still, yeah, is reality, I mean, probably, yeah. they weren't they weren't practicing in the field at all. They didn't have the relationships. They were saying, all right, we offer these two classes. It was graphic design. Well, it wasn't even graphic design. It was desktop publishing. So I learned <laughs> how to lay out. <laughs> I learned how to lay out. Um, I learned uh, PageMaker was the layout software that they had at the time. And InDesign at, was part of the uh, creative suite, but the professors at the school only knew PageMaker. Mm. It's tough. So right I there. Page, yeah, it was rough. So <laughs> desktop publishing, and there was an intro web design class, and that that particular professor uh, played YouTube videos, and that was it. Like he wasn't well versed in web either, and so when I came out, my my purview was, and my purview and focus was on this internship with uh, Mr. Gurton and learning the ins and outs of design through his lens, which wasn't through a BFA. And it was more self-taught and that, all that good stuff. Um, and so it wasn't until, gosh, I applied for graduate school at the University of Memphis in 2008 and got in and I was the only person of color in my cohort it was I was one of seven um and then it just happened to be that that year the national AIGA conference was in Memphis in 2008 
And so I actually went, I got to attend and I was like, oh man, it's like all these designers, people that my professors have been talking about before the conference happened. I'm getting to meet these folks and I'm like, okay, so there's like really nobody else. <laughs> it's like not that many. And so we had a uh, subscription to Print Magazine and uh, Bobby Martin was in, yep. I guess, the um, Young Designers to Watch uh, it, uh, issue that year. And so he was leading a, a, a breakfast round table. And so I signed up and talked to him and yeah, we exchanged numbers and we're friends to this day. Bobby's amazing. So yeah, it's it's a super small um, community, you know, of folks. As you know, it's a very small community of folks uh, that are spread out all over the country, but doing mm -hmm. amazing work. I don't think that's where we met. I think we knew each other before that. Weren't you at a yeah. conference that I I think I yeah, spoke. Yeah, you out. spoke yeah. in Nashville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you came to speak in Nashville. Uh, AIGA Nashville had you come down and speak for Think Tank. Yeah. Do you were you with us when we went to Midget Wrestling? No. <laughs> Where was this? <laughs> oh my gosh, we could do a whole show on this. <clears throat> I think the I think the proper term is midget wrestling or little people fighting. One of the two. Yeah. But it was in some basement hotel in Nashville. And um, they told us they were taking us, and I'm just like, "What?" And it was, <laughs> it was really spectacular. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyways, we won't we won't focus on that. Well, yeah. hey, the reason um, I bring that up, I mean, uh, is that conversation is one that's been going on, you know, nationally um, right. for a long time, quote unquote, right? And right. Uh, it's something that. You know, um, many people just don't realize, right? They don't look around their profession and say, wow, there's, you know, there's, um, you know, not enough women in leadership or people of color or, or you know, the list can go on. But um, one of the things that I noticed um, about you during um, quarantine was, dude, you just got into creation and, and creating and, uh, I have to tell you, it was, I haven't, I've been waiting to tell you this face to face. It is so inspiring to see your work and to see how much you've grown and to see the things that are out there. And I will put your, your link um, in our show notes, but tell me um, what shifted for you last year. Um, and I'm not saying that naively, by the way, but what yeah. shifted for you, for you to be like, Hey, I'm going to, use what I have here to start sharing, you know, messages, how I took it, but how would you describe it? So I feel like life is a series of interconnected events, right? So let me take you back to 20, I guess I would say fall of, fall of 2018. So Nina Stossinger, who is a, um, a type designer with uh, Tobias Ferrer Jones in New York uh, with his his uh, foundry came and did a workshop at our at our uh, institution. So during the workshop, um, I got a chance to hang out with her, um, host her. She did a talk as well about her work and the thing that the stuff that she's been working on, um, typefaces that she's working on and publishing. 
And I got an opportunity to participate with the students uh, learning kind of some of the, the letter form design process. So it was great. We were sketching, sketching letters out. We were tracing letters out. We were making iterations using tracing paper and, and regular paper. And um, I thought it was great and fascinating. So that workshop was only for, yeah, it was just a day. So she was there for a day. Um, we became friends on Instagram and I didn't do anything else with, with letter form design after that. I always said, this is pretty cool. I would, I would take a foray into it at some point. Let's fast forward to 2020 pandemic hits and spring break ends you know spring break ends from the london trip and i'm given a week to transition my classes from in-person to uh, virtual online session so i switch all that stuff over and i'm thinking to myself okay so my routine is different um i now don't have an hour drive to work one way and an hour drive to work back and in the midst of all of this, I'm thinking about things that I'm not necessarily comfortable with. So I had an old website. Um, I was not publishing my design work, right? So since I had an old website, I wasn't putting putting any work on it. Since I wasn't publishing my work to my website, I wasn't really talking about my design work. Um, or if I was talking about it, it was just one-to-one -one like this where if you ask me, well, what are you working on now? And I, and I say, well, I've got this logo project, but you may never see the logo project. I'm only talking about it. Um, and then I figured, well, I've got time. I need to figure out something in design I can get into that I've been a fan of that won't be a heavy lift or burden, you know, to take a chance at like very low risk. Um, and then, Really just because of just because of time and and you know you had a lot on your plate and just wanted something to you know you know start flexing that muscle a little bit yeah absolutely i mean with a two-year-old at the house well at yeah. the time yeah <laughs> yeah with the he was one one and in 2020 he turned uh yeah he turned one in um january of 2020 and so yeah, it had to be something that I could get into that wouldn't take away from my responsibilities at home. Um, and that was also like kind of therapeutic, right? Like everybody was having a tough time. <laughs> um, adjusting to being at home, not being able to go out or go to the coffee shop or call your friends up or go to a, go to a restaurant or bar or whatever. Um, so this was a way for me to kind of dig in. So I decided, well, let's tackle those, what I felt like were my personal and professional inequities. And so hand lettering, I ended up landing on hand lettering based on what I thought back to, you know, thinking about um, the exposure to Nina Stossinger. Um, and I actually, I guess before you came to Nashville for Think Tank, we had Dana Tanamachi and uh, Mary Kate McDevitt come in for a student um, 
Design Conference. And so I had heard them speak and saw their work. And over time, you know, they've done amazing things in their careers. And Penguin Books, Random House, all kinds of stuff. And they've published books. Like, it's just amazing. Um, but nonetheless, like, I, I looked at my iPad that my university um, had given me. And it was still wrapped in plastic. <laughs> had an Apple pencil still in the box wrapped in plastic. And I'm like... All right, well, let me see what this is like. I downloaded Procreate and just started sketching stuff out. Well, before I started sketching stuff out, I started posting work to my Instagram feed that was like politically charged based on whatever was happening in the media. And so then I decided to do this hand lettering, this 15 day hand lettering challenge. Um, and that just kicked it off. And so from there, it's been like, Every day, if it's a conversation between you, if it's a conversation between me and my kids, something I hear on television, um, there's a in life <laughs> for for whatever um, it may whatever may come up, and so a lot of the stuff that I've been lettering about has been based on either real life experiences or stuff that's happening in the world that has an effect that I may have an opinion on. What did that experience do or give to you? Or, or what was that like being able to work that out um, through typography? Well, I never had a formal typography class. Like even in graduate school, I didn't have like type one or type two. Like I, I read about it through Ellen Lupton's books and others, but I never had like formal training and I never, um, really dove into drawing letters out and actually understanding the way that they emote or can emote. And so with the urgency of how fast and the speed of society, like the conversation in society is shifting every day, uh, whether it's about voting rights, whether it's about Black Lives Matter, whether it's about um, Asian hate, whether it was about uh, climate change, forest fires, um, natural disasters and more like every day there's something that comes out i mean even now like i've not posted anything about the afghanistan stuff um just because i feel like it's a very very sensitive topic and then having been a professor near a military base where the number of uh, militaries well i mean it was a very very high population of military veteran students or military connected students um I'm not posting anything about that just because any opinion can be taken the wrong way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it can be really, really touchy. Um, and not being a military person, uh, complete respect um, and regard for, you know, folks that serve. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, whatever it is that I'm lettering, like there's, I want it to be either a, a sense of urgency uh, to create a conversation or a sense of urgency to just think about the message. Like it's not meant to be confrontational. It's not meant um, to shout, scream or anything else, but really to, if you want to have a conversation, I welcome the conversation or you can have the conversation with somebody else. But as long as it's something that makes you think about it, that's where I feel like the impact is.
I mean, because all of this stuff is debatable. Like, there's not a right, there's not a wrong, there's there's what you think or what you haven't thought about. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting. I feel in some there's definitely right and wrong, but I, I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, hear, I hear you saying. <laughs> well, let yeah. me let me uh, uh, dig deeper since uh, um, you know us men have a hard time somewhat sometimes being vulnerable. Absolutely. So um, emotionally, when you're doing some of this, was this you know cathartic for you? Was this like a, a, a way to like channel just some of the energy? You know whether that was anger joy sadness whatever yeah and it's funny you bring that up like i um i'm not really channeled a lot of angry posts um and most of them are kind of positive or encouraging or or they're just like ruminations of whatever and so yeah there have been times where i've written like i've got one uh that i i hand lettered i guess maybe two weeks ago that said negative people fail first and i didn't post it like <laughs> i don't know why i didn't post it but i i think based on based on where it would have fallen in the line of the images i figured well it wouldn't be great to add that to the curation of of the feed um but yeah it's always a range of motion range of emotions i mean the thing that's um mostly freeing about it is that it's not client work it's not driven by by the initiative of somebody else and there's not a pointed end um in message that it that it has to be and so while i'm working these things out i'm able to think in real time like all right well how do i want it to feel does it need to to be funny does it need to feel um important does it need to feel like more like a every man kind of thing um and those are the those are the moments that i struggle with the most in figuring out what it is right like some things some things deserve a script some things deserve a serif some things deserve a sans serif whether it's condensed or extended or tall um it all emotes in in very very different ways and then you dig into the color, which gives it a, a its own meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, because people in, people interpret colors in different ways. And so, well, you know, I love it's not. I was sorry to interrupt you. I love when you film your process and you show where you started. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I'm so <laughs> glad you made those decisions because that would have been awful. <laughs> <laughs> you and know what I'm funny, ta- like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, like some things like the proportions will be just poor. Like, and and it's funny, like I'm learning on the fly and my eyes are being trained in such a way that, and I'm sure as you look like from the beginning to currently where I am now, the informality to now formality of the lettering, like it's become more sophisticated and and just based on how often I've been doing it in the refinement of getting accustomed to looking at proportions and looking at scale and size and, and the counters um, and white space of, of the lettering. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, as a, as a dad and um, 
what do you hope the work that you're doing and just some of the, you know, some people look at it as risk, some people look at it as adventure. What do you hope as a dad that, that your kids are seeing from you? Gosh, from this work um, or from this move or, you know, that's a good question. So at this point, my two year old, um, before he gets, before he goes to bed at night, will ask me to color and he'll get on my iPad. And if I unlock it for him, he'll play around and procreate and then he'll jump into like Netflix to watch a show. If I don't open it or unlock it, it will just go to the notes app. And in that notes app, with the um with the apple pencil you can choose colors you can choose brush sizes and all that stuff and he's learned to do that and he'll get on there and scribble and make what looks like a semblance of a letter um and he's having a great time so it's good for him to see me have fun in that way like he's not attaching this work or he's not attaching these projects, these self-directed projects as work. Now, the older two are seeing it more as like a commitment to doing something that's not work. Like it's work, but it's something that you want to do on your own. And what I've been talking, because they've been asking questions about it. Like, well, why are you doing this? I'm like, well, I just want to learn this thing. It doesn't have, you don't have to learn stuff at school. You can learn stuff on your own. You can either read or dig deep or do research and find yourself in another scenario that will take you to the next thing. And so I remember um, one evening, my partner, she's probably gonna hate me for saying this, but I was, <laughs> I was early in the hand lettering journey and the uh, my little one Dash was kicking around in the bed and he's like, I forget what he was doing. He was like throwing pillows off, throwing pillows off. She's like, will you put that thing down? Talking about my iPad and the pencil. And I just turned my head and I said, you know, this thing is gonna take us out of here. And lo and behold, like less than 12 months, like we're at a new address in a whole new state with totally new experiences. Um, and I didn't know the power of the words then, but I knew the commitment to me doing something different mm. and what and what and how that might impact my life and in the broader orbit impact the lives of my kids and the family and, and everything else. All right. So let's let's reflect on that. How does that how does that feel right now? Man, crazy. <laughs> it, 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 when I, uh, the reason I say crazy <laughs> is because I spoke that into existence. Right. Like if I say it's it's like when you tell the kids, don't say you hate vegetables when you're eating dinner, because if you project that now, when you need to eat vegetables at our ages, <laughs> you don't want to be averse to taking care of yourself. And so me saying this thing's going to take us out of here and it didn't just take us like down the street, like we're in a different region of the country in a prestigious program in a neighborhood dude you're going to yale no <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, come on nuts. let's go <laughs> i can't wait to come visit you so i can get my yale t-shirt and pretend i'm going to yale Man, just for just gotta, for a few minutes you gotta come on up if you could give you know young david some advice 
from the perspective you are now, right? Um, yeah. What would you tell yourself looking back? Um, what would I tell myself looking back? That's a very, that's a very great question. Um, looking back, I would say, don't take yourself too seriously. There's time to do what you want to do and make sure to take inventory of the process that you're currently in so that you can not necessarily predict your future, but understand the direction that you're going in and why. So that if you want to make a change, you absolutely can make a change. Hmm. I love it. And then I would then I would also um, tell my former self to like invest in Apple and <laughs> Google Zoom and, Zoom and Uber. Yeah. 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 Uh, so good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I thought about that when, you know, you and I were texting back and forth in the NBA finals, you know, when they had him during COVID. And, I'm, and I'm, I remember thinking that time, man, just six months ago, if I would have invested in Zoom, I would be like, good. <laughs> you know? Right. Like exp exponential, exponential growth. Yeah. Thank you, David, for your inspiration and time. I can't wait to see more of your work and what lies ahead for you. For more on David and his work, check out his Instagram at David John Walker, D-A-V-I-D-J-O-N-W-A-L-K-E-R. I would also like to thank Sleeping At Last for providing our show soundtrack now in its seventh season. For more on Ryan and his music, please go to sleepingatlast.com or search for Sleeping At Last wherever you get your music from. And to design of the audio engineer, Steve Wick, whose lifelong dream was to attend an Ivy League school. It's pronounced Colonel. It's the highest rank in the military. It's pronounced Cornell. It's the highest rank in the Ivy League. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. If so, please give us a ranking on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell others about our show and stay tuned for the next episode. Please follow us on Twitter at Design of Podcast and check out our site at rule29.com forward slash design of podcast. See you next episode.